And uh, so Happy New Year again. We, we begin the year 2023 today. And so this year, I'm sure this year will be full of challenges, right? Every year is, and it will be full of opportunities as well. And so these challenges that we are all going to face are opportunities for God to work miracles. And see, if there were no challenges, if there were no problems, there would be no miracles. And so we need to look at those things as opportunities for God to work. Today we're beginning a new message series called You Have to Fight. And this is going to be a little different type of series. It's going to be what I call an intermittent series. Uh, in, this, in the sense that we're going to have one message in this series today, and then next Sunday we're going to be back in a, a new series in the Gospel of Luke, and from time to time we'll have one in the Have to Fight series, so as the Lord leads. So in this series we're going to look at different levels of spiritual warfare that God calls us to as His warriors. So let me begin this morning by telling you where the series title, You Have to Fight, came from. I'm sure most of you remember our dear Alice, who graduated to heaven a few months ago at the age of 87. Alice and Dick were members of our congregation here from the very beginning, some going back some 20, 23 years. How time flies, doesn't it? And Alice was a, a joyful Spirit-filled woman who never had an unkind word for anyone. Uh, she was always encouraging. She loved everybody she met. She was a prayer warrior. She functioned in spiritual gifts. If you were here back when she was with us, um, many Sundays she would have a message in tongues. She interpreted the tongues for us. And they were always encouraging words, often about the love of God and what God had for us. So back in October of last year, Alice was not doing so well, and we were called, Carol and I were called, that they thought the end was near, and so we should come in to uh, her, uh, come to see her uh, before she passed away. And so the reason we were called is Alice had pretty much become uncommunicative. She wasn't talking. She had stopped eating. She'd stopped drinking. And they said, you know, it's not, she's not going to be around much longer. So we came in, Carol and I, and we prayed with her. We read scripture to her. And um, towards the end of that time, Alice began to uh, perk up a bit. She began to smile. She began to talk, although it was very hard to understand her. And uh, we were encouraged by that. And uh, <clears throat> towards the end of our stay there, I was standing close to Alice's bed, and she looked at me, and normally she hadn't just been scaring at, staring at the ceiling. She looked at me, gazed intently, and she spoke. And she said very clearly and distinctly, you have to fight. And she paused for a minute. She continued to look at me intently and said it again. You have to fight. Very clearly. I mean, nothing she'd said, well, that day or days previously were very clear at all. Most of the time we didn't know what she was saying. 
And everybody wondered what she was saying. I knew instantly it was a prophetic word from God, that God was speaking through her to me as pastor. He was speaking to us as a church family. You have to fight. And a few days later, Alice passed on and went to her heavenly reward. And those were the last words that I heard her speak. So what does this word mean? What does it mean you have to fight? Well, the Bible teaches us that as believers, we are in a battle. We are in spiritual warfare whether we believe it or not. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle, or you might translate that word fight, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we are not fighting directly with people. The fight that we are in is against invisible evil spiritual forces. What happens if you're in a battle and you don't fight? You're going to lose. You're going to be defeated. And you have to fight in order to win a battle. Now, what kind of battle are we in? Judges 21-25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So I believe that describes the new year that we're going into, 2023, here in America and even around the world. Right and wrong are not being determined by God's word. They're being determined by personal opinions, being determined by other things. Everybody does what they think is right, what is right in their own eyes. Now, this verse from this period of time in Israel's history is not a commendation of what was going on. They had no king. God was not their king. They had no king to direct them in God's ways. They did whatever they wanted to do. And if you read the book of Judges, it's some of the most horrendous stories and things that went on of perversion. And I won't even go into it all today. It's not our message, but it is not... Uh, a time of peace and quiet. And so that mindset that everyone just does what is right in their own eyes comes from Satan, and he tries to get people to believe that whatever you think, whatever you feel, is what you should do, what is right. And so we are, as believers, to be in warfare against that mindset. Now what happened? Just a few books later in the Bible, we have Judges, then we have Ruth, and then we have 1 Samuel. And this was, took place in the time of the Judges. And there was a woman named Hannah. And she began to pray. She began to intercede that God would give her a son. She'd been barren for many years. And God answered her prayer, and she had a son, Samuel. And Samuel grew up, she gave him to the Lord. Samuel grew up as a mighty prophet that called people back to God during this time of a great falling away. And so that story gives us guidance of how we are to fight. We are to fight in a time and in a season when right and wrong really has no meaning for many people. 
It gives us guidance how to fight when the devil comes against us, as he does and as he will, to attack us in many ways. So first and foremost, we as believers fight through prayer. Prayer is the weapon that we use to fight with. Ephesians 6 verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So we fight. We use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And we use praying at all times in the Holy Spirit. And so that is what I want to encourage you as we enter into this new year. Is how we're going to fight. I have to fight. We all have to fight. If we don't fight, we're going to be defeated in 2023. But as we pray and as we trust God, we're going to have the victory So this first week of the year, the first week of every new year, the Assemblies of God has a week of prayer. And so we're going to talk about this first week as a week of prayer this morning. So I've entitled this message, uh, Prayer Awakening. And so along with with, uh, hundreds of thousands or even millions of others, we're going to be praying for an awakening of people to God. Awakening of people in our city, in our country, and around the world. I'd like us to watch a very short video by Doug Clay. He's the superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and he kind of introduces this week of prayer for us. I am so excited for our upcoming week of prayer, January 1 through 7, 2023. You know, there's a growing movement of prayer today in the body of Christ. I believe people are understanding that we'll never see awakening in our churches or change in our culture without fervent prayer. I want to thank you for making the week of prayer a high priority for yourself and your church. It was F.B. Meyer that said the great tragedy of life is not on answered prayers, but on offered prayers. So come on, join with hundreds of thousands of others this first week of January in fervent prayer. So awakenings in history, sometimes we call people turning their hearts to God an awakening. Sometimes we call it revival. They always happen. They always come as a result of prayer. We have one example in the New Testament, Acts 4.31 When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to spread the word of God with boldness. So that's how awakenings begin. That's how cities are changed for God. That's how countries are turned back to God through prayer. As we pray, God fills us with the Spirit. As we pray, God gives us guidance. He gives us boldness to speak his word, to be his witnesses. And so in this week of prayer, beginning today, Sunday, through next Saturday, that's seven days, we're going to encourage each one of you to pray, to pray in a special way. Now, in your bulletins is a handout sheet. You can, you can kind of follow along there as we go through the message this morning. And it has a different topic for each day of the week. Beginning today, Sunday, you can see the 
topic is consistency. We're going to talk about each of these today. And there also is a link in your insert in your bulletin, not this one actually, but in another one that has, let me find it because I can't remember the link exactly. Yeah, if you look at the at this page, uh, it says 2023 prayer videos, weekofprayer.ag.org slash videos. So for each of the days, they have, there's a video on that page that you can listen to. It's about way too long to play in the service today for each day, but it's a 20 to 25 minute length video talking about the topic. And I would encourage you uh, to take time to watch that as well as you begin to pray. So let's begin. We're going to go through each of these seven topics, um, and we'll get out of here before noon. So okay. <laughs> now it won't be. It might be a little longer than normal, but uh, they're they're short ones. So first of all, today Sunday, the topic is consistency. Asking God to help us to be faithful and steadfast in prayer. Be faithful and steadfast in prayer. What does the devil do? He tries to make us inconsistent. Uh, he tries to make us only pray when we're in trouble. Uh, and it's not wrong to pray when, when you're in trouble, but it's better to be praying all the time to be prepared for the trouble than just, God, help now. You remember, I'm here, I'm in trouble, please help me. Acts 18, verse 1, it says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So this is the introduction to a parable that Jesus told about a persistent widow and her, uh, we're not going to talk about that, but first of all, Jesus says, we ought always to pray. We ought always to pray. Now, what does that mean? It means we ought to always be praying. (laughs) Say, well, that's impossible. Well, that's what it means. We ought to always be praying. There's other scriptures that say we are to pray continually. What does that mean? Well, we're to pray all the time. Is that something I've reached? No. But it's something we strive to, to be in constant communication with God. What keeps us from praying always? Well, Jesus is telling this parable so we do not lose heart. Why do we stop praying? Why do we not think to pray? It's because we stop believing that our prayer is going to make a difference. We stop believing that God's going to answer our prayer, and so we quit. And the whole moral or the whole, um, what Jesus was trying to teach with this parable is, don't quit. Keep praying until the answer comes. Be persistent. Be consistent in your prayer life. In the parable, this widow kept persisting and asking the judge to rule in her, in her behalf, and even though he refused over and over, she persisted, and finally he gave in, and she, her, her request was answered. And the same, not that God is refusing to answer, but oftentimes prayer does take time. And as that picture that God gave me about this chain reaching up to heaven, it has to be built by persistent prayer over days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years. Until the answer comes. So I believe the very first step in 
being consistent in our prayers to establish a godly habit of a daily time to seek God, reading His Word and praying. To establish that. If you are not doing that now or if it's erratic, I would strongly encourage you to begin to work with God to establish that habit in your life. If you have never done it before, I'd encourage you to start with 15 minutes a day. I guarantee you, you're doing something with 15 minutes a day that's not as valuable as praying. I guarantee you can find 15 minutes every day to pray. I would encourage you to work up as you begin with 15 minutes up to an hour a day. Or you can go even longer, but an hour a day is a, is a good, solid time. It's evident from the Lord's Prayer that we are to pray daily. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Now, how often do you pray that prayer? Well, you pray that prayer uh, at least every day. And once you establish that scriptural habit of spending time with God each and every day, you are on the road to praying always. You are on the road to praying continually. What does that mean? It means that you're praying when you're at work. You're praying when you're at play. You're praying when you're interacting with others. You see, Pastor Dan, how can I do that? It's like, well, all our prayers don't have to be verbal spoken prayers. The Bible has many instances people praying in their hearts. You can pray silently. You can pray when other people don't know you're praying. God knows your thoughts. You can pray in your thoughts to God. And you can hear him speak back to you in your own thoughts. Pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for your church to grow in prayer consistency. As we pray for one another, God will answer those prayers because they're according to God's word. Monday, tomorrow, the topic is compassion. Pray for a heart of understanding that reaches out to those in need. Compassion. I didn't want to do that. Matthew 9.36, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There are many verses that talk about Jesus having compassion for people who were in need. Jesus had compassion for others. Jesus is our example. And so the things that he did... Attitudes he had are things that we want for our own lives, to have compassion for other people. We need to grow in our compassion for others. Compassion is not just sympathy. Sympathy is just, you know, feeling sorry for someone, what they're going through. Compassion is, is having that emotion, understanding what people are going through, but seeking to do something about it, seeking to take action to meet the need that people have. The opposite of compassion really is, is being judgmental. A judgmental person sees somebody in need and say, they got themselves into that trouble. Why should I do anything? You know, they're getting what they deserve. I have no obligation to meet that need. And oftentimes, it is true. <laughs> People get themselves into trouble, right? 
But what did Jesus feel for these people? They were harassed and helpless. By who? By the devil. And they had these problems because the devil was harassing them. And Jesus wanted to meet those needs. And so we pray for ourselves to have more compassion for the people around us. We pray for our families. That we would have compassion for the needs in our families. We pray for the people in our church that they might have compassion and the others around us. Tuesday, signs and wonders is the topic. Pray for miracles and healings that demonstrate God's power to our unbelieving world. Again, we as believers, I address all of us as believers here today, we as believers are to follow Jesus' example. To do the things he did, to have the attitudes he had, to speak as he would. What did Jesus do? Matthew 9, sorry, Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So this verse, 35, immediately precedes the verse we just read about Jesus having compassion on these multitudes. His compassion was put into action for these people that harassed and helpless by teaching them God's word and by demonstrating God's power to bring healing into the lives of these people. On other occasions, Jesus' compassion was put into action through miraculously feeding the hungry. Other places, Jesus' compassion was put into action by delivering people from demonic forces. And as we read the New Testament, we see that miracles, signs and wonders took place not just through Jesus. He trained the 12 disciples to do the same thing. And it wasn't just the apostles. Then he trained 72 of his followers to do the same things. And then as we read in the book of Acts, we see even others beginning to do the same things. Signs and wonders were commonplace, even after Jesus ascended back into heaven. Signs and wonders are supposed to follow every believer. And we pray that God's power would be displayed in our lives, in our family, and in our church in new ways in 2023. Now sometimes people will say, you know, if God wants me to have these special gifts, then he'll just have to give them to me. You know, I, it's like nothing's happened, and so I must not be in God's plan for me to have them. But that's not really how God works. That's not how we're supposed to live. God's word teaches that we are to earnestly desire the things of God. In fact, it says we're to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, which includes spiritual gifts of healing, spiritual gifts of prophecy, spiritual gifts of miracles, spiritual gifts of discerning of spirits, and we could go on and on. What are you going to do if you earnestly desire to have a gift that God has for you? What should you do? You should pray. You should ask. Other places in the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. God doesn't just dump things out of heaven on us. He wants us to ask. 
And as we ask, as we persist in our asking, then we receive all the good things that God has for us. So we pray for ourselves that God would use us to meet people's needs in miraculous ways. We pray for our family. We pray for our church family as well. Wednesday, the topic is united prayer. Along with consistent prayer life, pray that believers would be unified in love as we seek God together. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, we've already talked about each of us spending personal time in prayer each and every day. That's good. That's what God wants us to do. But is that the only kind of prayer that we are to be involved in? And the answer is no. I believe there are prayers that God will not answer when you are the only one praying for them. In fact, these instructions in this verse seem to me God is encouraging us to pray with other people. It says if just two of you agree about anything, it's not just praying together, you have to pray and agree. You're praying for the same thing. You're believing God for the same thing. He says it will be done for them by my Father. And he says when two or three gather together in his name, now there can be more, he's just saying, Look, two or three is a crowd, you know. I'm there in a special way. A special way to answer the prayers that are prayed. The prayer of agreement, when people agree in faith, will be answered by God. So how can we pray prayers of agreement with others? Well, if you are married and have a spouse, you can pray with your spouse. Well, there's two, right? If you have children, you can pray with your family as well. You can pray with others. In a small group, we have many small groups. And one of the advantages, one of the benefits of being in a small group is you can pray with others. You can pray these prayers of agreement and see them answered in those Meetings. We have small groups on Sunday morning. We pray in that meeting. We have small groups during the week, uh, several of them that are mentioned here as well. We have opportunity to pray with others after every Sunday service. I and the announcers are available up front. You can come forward and we can pray together and agree together in prayer. I encourage you to take advantage of that. I'd love to see Everybody come forward some Sunday and we would fill the front and we all pray together uh, seeking God's face. So let's pray that we would grow in realizing the power of united prayer, the power of agreeing together in prayer. Moving on to Thursday. Topic is global connection. What does that mean? It means praying for fellow Christians and missionaries around the world. Especially those that are suffering persecution for their faith. We don't really suffer persecution 
compared to what other people are suffering around the world here. I mean, we might, we call it persecution, but it's just, it's really, it's really nothing compared to what other people are facing. Jesus said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So in many countries of the world, there is serious persecution of believers. And in some of those countries, the church is growing rapidly. Iran is one of them. But believers are severely persecuted in that country. China is another one. Believers are persecuted in China. And we could go on and on, especially the Muslim countries. Even in Africa and Nigeria, Christians are being killed uh, regularly for their faith by the Muslims there. And so we, might, we must remember those that are over there. We don't know all their names, but God wants us to remember those who are suffering for his sake. There are missionaries that we support. They're listed in the bulletin every Sunday. We can pray for them and the countries in which they are there. You can actually go to the ag.org website and look up who they are, see their picture and where they're, where they're ministering, unless they're in a sensitive country. And there are more and more of those in sensitive countries, and you will not find them there. All we have is their names, or sometimes I don't have even their full names, because if they were found out, um, they would be at very least deported, and at very worst, imprisoned, or, or even worse. In 2023, I am hoping that we will have more missionaries coming in to speak to us than we've had in the past, um, with all the COVID things going on, so that will be an encouragement to us to learn from them, and to pray for them. Moving right along, we're up to Friday. The topic is intercession and evangelism. Pray for the Holy Spirit's strength to persist in prayer and for boldness to share the gospel with those who need Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. So there's two words in this topic. The first is intercession. What is intercession? Intercession is praying for somebody else. You're interceding for somebody else. You don't really intercede for yourself. You know, you're interceding for another person. In this scripture, Jesus speaks of unbelievers as a harvest that's ready to be reaped. That there are people out there ready to believe in Jesus, but the problem is there are not enough laborers or workers. There are not enough people there to share the gospel with them. They're ready to receive, the, but there's not enough people to talk to them about Jesus so they can understand and become believers. So what is the solution? We are to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into his harvest field. And if you read this whole passage, what happens next? Well, Jesus sends, after they pray the prayer, he sends them out uh, into the harvest field. So 
you have to realize when you pray this prayer, you're praying for yourself as well. And it's like, well, we'll send out other people. Let somebody else do it. It's like, well, when you pray the prayer, uh, God's going to call you as a worker in the harvest field uh, as well. And these workers, they're not just full-time pastors or missionaries, although they certainly are workers in the harvest field. The workers are each and every believer. Each and every one of us is called to be a worker in the harvest field that God has planted us in. And so we pray for ourselves, that God would give us opportunities to reach people who are not yet believers. To reach people who are in our neighborhoods. To reach people that are our relatives. To reach people that may be our workmates. Wherever we have people that we know, we are to be a light. To call them to become believers. Oftentimes we are tempted, uh, really by the devil, to think nobody's interested in being saved. You know, they're all, hearts are hardened and they, you know, it's just, it's just of no use to talk to them. They're not going to listen, so why bother? Well, that type of thinking does come from the devil. According to Jesus here, the problem is not that people's hearts are so hard, nobody's going to listen to you. The problem is that too many believers are not being workers in the harvest field, are not opening their mouths to speak to those around that need to hear the gospel. In 2023, our goal as a church is to reach more people for Jesus so that we can fill some of the empty seats here. I believe God would have us in 2023 to double in size, to get us up to around 100 in attendance. And that's only going to happen as each of us intercedes, as each of us prays. That more people would come to Christ. That more people would be saved, baptized, and added to the church. Saturday, our last day, is passing revival to the next generation. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to capture the hearts of our children and teens so that they will passionately pursue Jesus. We'll talk a little more about it in a minute. But Matthew 9, then children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. What about these disciples of his? The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. So in Jesus' time, children were not very valued um, in certain ways in that culture. And the disciples say, oh, you know, this is an adult matter. You know, just send those kids away. And Jesus, no, the kids are very important. The children are very important. I need to pray for them. I need to lay my hands on them. Uh, Most people today become believers as children or teens. I don't know if that's, I think that's, I think that's good. We need to witness to all ages of people for sure, but most people become believers as children or teens. So it's vitally important that we as a church continue to reach out to children and teens and youth. They're the future of the church. And so we must pray. We must pray for our own children 
we have children, we must pray for our grandchildren. Whether they're in our home or in their own homes. Pray that God would captivate their hearts to follow Jesus passionately all of their days. If they're not believers, that they would be saved. As a parent, your what's the right word? Responsibility, I guess, to pray uh, for your children doesn't end once they go out on their own. Uh, you continue to pray for your adult children and if grandchildren come into the picture, pray for your grandchildren just as you would pray for your own children as well. Let's pray for our children's ministry here in church, in our youth ministry. We are having some youth ministry going on here uh, in a certain way. If you are not currently involved in teaching in the children's ministry, uh, we would encourage you to talk to Carol and uh, she'll, she'll help you find a way to help with the teaching in the children's ministry. We can always use more workers there to teach and train our children. And in that way, we're passing revival, the things of God, on to the next generation. You see, if that doesn't happen, uh, all would be lost, right? Uh, we need to pass to the next generation. So this week, the very first week in January... I'd encourage you to make this a week of prayer, along with many other Assembly of God believers who are hearing the same thing uh, this Sunday. Again, in your bulletin is a, uh, basically all the scriptures that I've put to the topics and also uh, the topics for each and every day as well. I'd also encourage you to check out that link uh, in the outline to listen to a, a video for each day as well, uh, to kind of prepare you for praying along that topic. And I think that this list of topics for each day would be a good thing to keep in mind beyond the first week. Uh, you could pray something along that line. That's not the only thing you're going to pray, but pray something along that line throughout the whole year. Pray something along this line for each of these days. It would be a great list to add to your prayer time. As we said, every revival in history has been the result of people praying. And so the more we pray, the more God is going to work, the more God is going to move in our lives, through our lives, in our city, uh, in our church. I believe that the salvation of every person is a direct result of someone praying for them. I believe that's how God works. Salvation of every person is a direct result of someone praying for that person. So let's pray for revival to come to our lives, to come to our church, to come to our city in 2023. And let's remember that what I believe was God's word to our church for 2023 you have to fight. Is fighting easy? No. It's easier just to be passive and do nothing. If you're passive and do nothing, what's going to happen? You're going to be defeated. You're not going to win the victory. But God wants us to fight, and we fight in prayer. Is prayer easy? 
The short answer is no. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to pray. And so he's going to find all kinds of excuses, all kinds of things he's going to throw in your path so you don't pray. But as you persevere, as you grow in your prayer life, perhaps some of you need to grow from five minutes a day to 15 minutes a day and continue to grow in prayer. And so my prayer is that each of us would commit to fighting the battle and winning the victory through prayer in 2023 as never before. Now, to become a believer, a follower of Jesus, and you need to be a follower of Jesus to have, uh, to be able to fight the devil and his forces, you need to repent of your sin, ask Jesus to forgive you, believe that Jesus died on the cross, that you might be forgiven, he rose from the dead, and you submit your life to follow him and his ways. So let's bow our heads right now. And we're going to pray. I'd encourage you to pray along with me if you want to recommit your life to Jesus this morning or commit your life to him for the first time. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from my following my own plans for my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that I might be forgiven. I ask him to forgive me now. Come into my life. I believe he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I submit my life to following him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.